say. Good evening and welcome to Knox Mente. Tonight's guest is Joshua Kutchen. Josh is a North Carolina native with longstanding interest in Fortiana. He holds a master's in music literature and master's in journalism from the University of Georgia and currently resides in Georgia. He's the author of two books, 2015's A Trojan Feast, The Food and, the Food and Drink Offerings of the Aliens, Fairies, and Sasquatch, and 2016's The Brimstone Deceit, All In-Depth Examination of Supernatural Scents, Otherworldly Odors, and Monstrous Miasmas. Both are published by Anomalous Books. He also has a new book out, um, Thieves in the Night, about fairy abductions and alien abductions. Josh is also a contributor to Robbie Graham's 2017 collection of ufology essays, UFOs, Reframing the Debate. Great book. Welcome, Josh. Joshua. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, Josh, to... Joshua, hey, you, it all, it's all good. <laughs> yes. You just seem like I'll a Josh instead of a Josh. Yeah, I know. That's what I've been saying is Josh. Yeah, that's fine. Just, it's uh, awesome. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So you're close to Jerry. There's this Georgia connection between us. I have my families over there, Mayretta and Marietta, but I say Mayretta. Um, and, and so there's like this, we have this weird, like energetic thing all by the aspect of Georgia. Yeah. I think that if you have to live, if you have to live in the shadow of Metro Atlanta, um, North, North Atlanta is, is kind of the place to be, I think. Um, because it, 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 the city hasn't quite metastasized to this point yet. <laughs> oh my God, but it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw something about, um, you know, just up the road in Canton, it's been like some sort of ridiculous, like 10,000 person population boom in the past five years. Some sort of silly, silly, silly yeah. statistic like that. That's, you know. It's crazy. That's where I live. It's crazy That's, up here. It's yeah. insane. I remember when that was like so far out when I was little, that was so far out. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. But you know, the good thing about living where I do is that I can be in Canton and you know, fifteen minutes, and there's actually a, a handful of Bigfoot sightings up that way. Um, really? Oh, I didn't know there. that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are more that I haven't run into, but uh, there are there are some. Uh, is there still uh, woods left? Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I know. I mean, not for, not for much longer, but uh, but according to the BFRO, there are like three different sightings that were uh, between here and Canton. Wow. So you know, it's, it's it's weird that it's weird to me that I you know my wife works at the CDC and I gig in Atlanta all the time, but that we're you know this close to the to the woods. So I, I I do enjoy it up here. Maybe the Bigfoot likes all that kudzu. Well, the, the north side is <laughs> a place to be. The south side of, of Atlanta is a shithole. Yeah, it's it's a. Oh, you kind I of had a, um, I had I, I had a weird gig there um, uh, about a year and a half ago. It was like a Russian truck depot party. Like for these, I'm entirely sure they weren't Russian mafia. <laughs> oh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Atlanta's a huge city too. I mean, it was, it's yeah. been huge for a long time. There's a lot yeah, going on. Uh, you know, with with the the airport being here, I feel like you know uh, everybody stops in Atlanta too. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the airport's huge. It's against their will too. <laughs> that like it's, you can't. It's, uh, it's against their will totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is. It is. It is an enormous airport. Um, but. Uh, we I mean, know that has, it has some perks. There are a couple of restaurants in the airport that are really nice. There's a, there's one phenomenally, um, 
phenomenally over, phenomenally overpriced, but also phenomenally delicious restaurant in the Atlanta airport. That if anybody ever has a layover and the excess capital is, is worth the time. Um, Which I one? don't get to eat there very often, but um, one flew south. Hmm. It's um I um I know some people who are at a higher pay grade than me who actually build in time. Uh, when they go to the airport just to eat there. I'm like, I'd love to oh, do that. Nice. I, I, I ate there with my wife before my trip to Ireland. And I, I, of all the times that I've flown out of there, I've probably eaten at the place maybe two or three times. Um, but if anybody, like I said, wants to drop some money on some good food, it's actually, uh, I think it's one of the better restaurants in Atlanta, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that, I mean, that is a first-class airport, though. I mean, it, it is in every way. It's just huge. Yeah, it's, 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 it, it is nice to... Be able to get a flight, a direct flight from basically anywhere or to basically anywhere from there. So, you know, again, just like so many other things that happen, yeah, it's trade offs. Yeah, like if you're running across it trying to catch, you know, you're going <laughs> to, it's so big. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's, that, that, that's the only catch. Yeah. Oh my God, I've been so nervous in that one trying to catch flights. Also, wanted to wish everyone a happy Lionsgate today on 8 8. I, sh I should know what that is, but I don't. That's, um, I'm feeling like I should as well, Jerry. The Lionsgate on 8-8. It's the Stargate that opens today. Google it. I think I, I'm in the okay. dark. Yeah, I'll have to Google it too. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay. Lionsgate, 8-8. I really feel like I should know that, though. Josh, you should too. You're I'm into the weird. Kind of surprised I know, you I don't. know. It feels on the tip of my tongue. Lionsgate. It sounds familiar, but of course I'm thinking of the film company. <clears throat> yeah, well, right, it's, a, it's everywhere. So, should we should we just jump on into Noxman? We should. All right. So we kind of already from your bio know where you grew up. Tell us about your experiences, Josh, at like the earliest if you can remember that sticks out. And that can include, it can be anything, like it can be a dog bite, but just things that stick out. And I like to get like, uh, I like to get pop culture-y stuff too. Like what cartoons did you like? Did you play in the woods? Um, you know, was mommy mean? That kind of stuff. Okay. Um, well, golly, I, I know as soon as I say what my earliest impression or memory was, I'm probably going to, um, probably going to end up forgetting it. Um, I, I suppose like a lot of what I remember is just uh, impressions, really. Um, there was a uh, there was a pizza parlor chain with animatronic bears that is a memory <laughs> from early in my childhood. Um, Chuck E. Cheese? Not Chuck E. Cheese. No, it was the other one. Um, and if somebody said it, I'd slap myself in the head and be like, oh, that's exactly what it is. Um, but uh, so just sort of that was something that I, you know, is, is, a, is a pretty early memory of mine. Um, my, my childhood really is divided into pre and post house edition. My folks uh, had a have still same house um, on Lake Norman, which is uh, about 20 minutes north of uh, Charlotte in a small town called Denver. And uh, when I was about five or so, um, they added on a significant portion to the house. And so the, a lot of my memories are of that and the impressions of the way that the house was before and, and after. Um, there was a screen porch that was significantly expanded and it was um, had this sort of green indoor-outdoor carpeting on it. 
and you know for, for for years even after we it was replaced with 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 you know different material we'd still call it the green screen porch um my family was uh, uh all from that area uh both sets of grandparents were i mean the farthest one was 30 minutes away um so there were regular visits there um my maternal parents uh my maternal grandmother was a nurse maternal uh grandfather uh was a painter and a handyman and my uh paternal grandmother was a uh stay-at-home mom and my paternal grandfather was a country doctor so they had a real country mouse city mouse thing going on um my paternal grandfather was a bastard um uh he i always tell people that he uh he was a great person. Every, everyone loved him if they were related to him. <laughs> he was, if you were related to him, he was incredibly acerbic um, and just really negative. Um, so I got, you know, a lot of negative reinforcement about, you know, I've always been a big guy. I've got a bunch of negative reinforcement about my weight all through those years. My last memory of him was, uh, um, you need to lose weight, you need to shave, and your band sucks. So, oh, man, that's hard. Not a, not a great relationship. Um, was he just jealous? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I suspect that he was, um, he was a bigger kid earlier in life, and I guess he wanted to help me avoid some stuff. You know, the sad thing is, I think he actually did more harm than good in the mm -hmm. long run, because uh, I still, you know, struggle with weight loss and weight issues today. Um, but I mean, I, I admire the guy. I mean, he was a great diagnostician. He was one of the last old country doctors. I mean, when it would snow too much for him to use the car, he'd he'd make his house calls by hooking up his horse and carriage. Like we're talking, you know, old school. Um, That's amazing. I I love that, by the way. And I love the house call thing with the old school doctors. Yeah, he was. I mean, like again, I I, I admire the hell out of him. Um, uh, but I I have no had no use for him you know by the time i entered my 20s yeah um i actually thought about i actually thought about not going to his funeral i went to his funeral for everybody else not for him uh, but it was you know it was interesting to to be with within so i mean i realized didn't realize until much later how odd and out of a dynamic that is to have really your extended family so close um playing in both their spaces you know and, and sort of the dichotomy between the two is just really stark because he um he actually is his office was part of a split level that operated out of his house. The house is the house of uh, my grandfather and grandmother. The doctor um is really a remarkable house. I mean, I've when it, when it was when it was sold, my sister moved in for a while. Then when she sold it, um, the realtor was making very specifically saying that like he, it would be cost prohibitive to build that sort of house today. There are, even back in like the house was built in fifty nine or something, and it had automatic lights and closets. Um, it had outlets in the mantelpiece. It's like a really fascinating house. And like I said, it was a split level. So there were examination rooms down below. And um, so that was, I have, a lot, I have a lot of memories of playing around there. And also uh, in, <laughs> in stark contrast, um, playing in my, uh, my mother's uh, family place, um, which was a really small, tiny house um, with a garden in the back and uh, cages of, of, my grandfather raised rabbits for a while. Um, so all these sort of different, <laughs> two very different, uh, two very different dynamics going on. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I was, I was a kid who was very much into, um, insects and, and bugs and stuff. Um, 
you know, I, I actually probably my earliest memory would be my, my uh, mother's mother teaching me how to catch honeybees. Um, even though I was allergic, I, we had developed a strategy for me to catch <laughs> honeybees and, you know, release them later. Oh, uh, I love but, that. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things I, I still don't, even though I'm allergic and I, you know, I, I, uh, I, don't freak out when I see them because nine times out of 10, if you just leave them alone, they'll be fine. It's just, you just got to know how to act around them. Um, right. Wasps, it, are, wasps are a little bit different story, but yeah. Wasps will come for you. <laughs> and yeah, they'll exactly. sting you many times. <laughs> um, so yeah, so just, so there's sort of a, a bunch of different dynamics um, all, all mashed up there. Um, a lot of memories on the lake. Um, my sister, for example, could uh, swim before she could walk. Because my mom was very adamant that if we were going to live on the lake, we had to know how to swim in case of any accidents. So it's another thing that I didn't realize is that uh, people worry about their kids not being able to swim and stuff. I mean, I can't, I, I, I'm sure I didn't wear a life jacket past age like three or something because I just, it was just a natural at, at treading water and, and, you know, and managing myself. Um, so that really instilled a, a need for, a need to be close to water in my life. Um, between that and, you know, uh, going to college in Madison, Wisconsin, which is on an isthmus, you know, there's always been this, this background of water, um, uh, sort of in my life. Uh, and when I'm not around water, like right now, I, I tend to get a little antsy. So that's probably one of the reasons that I'm, a, I feel a little bit, um, displaced here. Uh, hey, we got Lake Alatoona up here. Yeah. 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 But I'm, I, there's something about, well, I suppose this sounds super privileged in a way, but there's something about being able to like get to a lake in your backyard. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not even, it's like, you know, Jack Sparrow says about uh, a ship. It's not a ship. It's about freedom. You know, similarly, it's like, I mean, you know, Lake Norman's a pretty big lake and we lived on this cove. And the idea was that if you just step out there, you've got this giant expanse of, of, uh, of, of uh, places to explore. You know, there's always this mystery every day. Every day's, you know, different. Were you an only um, child? No, I have a sister, a uh, sister who's uh, four years older. And she still lives there um, in, uh, in the area. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the weirdo who went far away to school and ended up living, you know, kind of far away. It's about, it's about four hours from, from here. So, you know, not, not bad. It's still, you know, it's a trip you can easily make in the latter but half of the day. But, Yeah. And you went to Mad Madison's a great town. I I've spent so much time there. I just love it. Yeah, yeah. It's I, it has a real special place for me. I was just up there for my uh, sort of a little impromptu ten year college reunion, and it's it's it has lost none of its charm. Um, yeah, it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot in the past ten years, but uh, it's um, it really is it really is a special town that I think flies under a lot of people's radar. You know, I, I was I yeah. know that everybody looks at their college town experiences as with rose colored glasses. But having lived in a couple of different college towns now, I can say objectively there's some really unique, special stuff about Madison that a lot of other college towns completely miss the mark on. Oh, definitely. It's one of my favorite towns in Wisconsin? the United States. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Madison's wonderful. It is, it is, it is special. I, and I, I can't imagine that it will lose that vibe. They decriminalized weed a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's definitely the, one of the original weird towns. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When I went absolutely. to college my freshman year, um, the laws had just changed to 21 for drinking, and, but not in Wisconsin. So we would drive up to, up to Madison to buy beer and stuff. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even as even as recently as uh, you know, uh, ten years ago, if you were with if you could present the an ID that you were with your parents, uh, you could drink at whatever age you wanted to. <laughs> so if like you're Germany. out with your parent, yeah, if you're out with your parent, you could have a beer if you were you know nineteen. It's a beer play. The whole state is. It's all that German. Did you did you have any weird experiences as a young kid? Yes. Um, the mo- I mean, not as much as a lot of people that you know do, but uh, um, the most interesting um, uh, of my childhood experiences was when we were building the house, or when my parents were adding onto the house. Um, there was a period during the entire construction process where we would, for example, look on a, sh- a top of a, a top of a shelf that we hadn't looked on in you know forever, or we would take out a book that we hadn't taken out in years, and there would be a stack of four quarters behind or t- tucked away somewhere. Um, which, uh, you know, I mean, maybe it was some. I mean, I, I don't think it was a contractor doing it, and my folks are adamant that it wasn't them, and so is my sister, um, and they all all remember this as well. Um, it wasn't until a long time later that I found out that's not only, you know, that smells not only of like poltergeist experiences, but also, you know, sort of fairy folklore. In fact, I just learned the other day that that's actually where the term pennies from heaven comes from. Um, or at least one of the proposed theories of where it comes from or from these apports of coins that you find places. So uh, that was probably the most, no, that was definitely the most uh, sort of uh, extra normal thing that happened to me. That's a um, that's a super great story. I, have, I had a good deal happen. Sorry, mm-hmm. you'd cut out, so I thought you were okay. finished. Oh no no no! I I I I stopped abruptly, so I think you're. Oh, okay. it was just me. <laughs> it's the Mercury Gatorade. Um, that I did did just hear you talking about that story. I don't know where. Um, recently in this last week, so and it, it's one I wanted. I'm glad you mentioned it here because it's. It's super fascinating, and it's classic with the Fay, in my opinion. It's on a Greg show. Was uh, it? Maybe. I, I know. I, I know. I um. You're making the rounds. I don't know. Yeah. I've been doing so many shows. Yeah. It's, it's your new book. <laughs> uh, Which I didn't even know about until I heard Radio Mysterioso. So it's kind of awesome that we got you like so, you know within the time frame of the release. Oh yeah, it's it's uh it's just been out for like a month and a week I think, and the Kindle just came out, so it's it's all very fresh. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's on my list to get. By the way, I love the topic. Um, okay, so when you were little, do you remember any dreams, or were you a dreaming child that you recall? So here's the short. Here's the shortest episode of the show, folks. I don't dream that much. <laughs> yeah, as you were saying um, behind the scenes. <laughs> I mean, so I think there are a couple of reasons for that. I mean, obviously I had plenty of dreams, but I would say that I remember my wife, God, you should talk to my wife. My wife has the craziest, most vivid dreams and she remembers them to a T and she's talks about them all the time. I probably remember three dreams to four dreams a week. And, you know, I, I definitely ascribe to that uh, sort of, um, indigenous people little dream big dream sort of model where certain dreams you know are just regular dreams and then you have the big dream that's, that's meaningful and i've only had um really one big dream in my life that actually happened quite recently um but for the most part it's just 
it's 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 weird. I always feel like when I recall my dreams, a there the geography is never um, never makes any sense. It's it's always very nonsensical in terms of um, you know I I'm in a field and then I descend a staircase and I'm in my bedroom and I need to go to the bathroom. So I walk into the bathroom, but it's the bathroom of the subway station. Like it's never. I've never felt again with this one exception, uh, which we I'm sure we'll get around to. Um, uh, I've never really felt that there's been that real quality of a dream. Um, I've never I've never felt like, in hindsight, it felt super real. Again, with that one exception, uh, but um, I do remember images and impressions more. So I'll remember a scenario more than I'll remember what happened. And then there'll be a gap, and then I'll remember something later that happened. Um, I have probably, uh, probably about once every two years, I'll have a sleep paralysis episode um, where I'm at the point now, after having done all this, I, I actually don't freak out. I just say, oh, this is great. Let's gather some data. <laughs> you know? um, so I'm actually able to, to, to uh, focus enough to, um, to focus enough to actually sort of get a sense for what it feels. So that happens to me every now and then. I think the, one of the main reasons why I don't dream that much is because I, I historically don't sleep well, neither does my mother. Um, if, if I'm up three or four times in a night, that's a pretty darn good night of sleep. Um, you know, strangely though, it is a lot of people that are very into trying to get into that state um, will set alarms to do that because you it's you know it's that REM it's certain state and so those people oftentimes you know they're pushing they're pushing it and um so I'm actually what I'm saying is I'm surprised to hear that as someone who wakes up often that you don't have more dream recall because I'm certain you have the dreams will you tell us a little bit about your sleep experience your sleep um paralysis experiences the general tide or or certain experiences that are tangible certainly um so the i very rarely get impressions of entities during sleep paralysis um that's just apparently my flavor there was one time when i did um i uh i'd fallen asleep with the lamp on and as i woke up i saw a shadowy figure to the left to the like to the left of the lamp um this was i mean i've always had an interest in sort of fortiana and uh and monsters. I was a big monster kid growing up, you know, um, creature features and the like, but I wasn't, wasn't like obviously not as into it as I am now. So at the time that really freaked me out. And then it was later that I sort of came around to realize that, uh, that it probably wasn't, um, anything nefarious, even though that particular apartment that I was in, I'm pretty sure was <laughs> pretty sure it was haunted, but this, the, whatever, whatever that was, didn't really have that sort of, uh, you know, actual apparition mouthfeel to it. Um, for the most part, when I get sleep paralysis, I get, it's actually kind of pleasurable in a way because I get this feeling of being very heavy and I, I'm a tosser and a turner. Um, so when I get sleep paralysis, I get this feeling of being heavy, of sort of sinking into the mattress. Um, the room feels dark and almost like sort of a slow, slow strobe light is going. And uh, I don't know why it doesn't scare me more than it does, but it hasn't. Um, I generally, I mean, for all I know, there are things lurking in the corners of my room whenever I have these experiences, because for the most part, I seem to remember seeing the ceiling. Um, 
but uh, it's just a general feeling of of lethargy and of sort of being stuck to the mattress. Um, not complete paralysis, but again, this feeling of limbs being very slow to move. And in none of in all these experiences with paralysis, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but was there ever an earlier period where maybe there was a little fear? that you were getting trapped or you couldn't animate your body? Um, you know, honestly, I don't think it really happened to me until, um, until like 2008 was my first experience. And that was the one with the, uh, that was the one with uh, the entity standing to the left of the, of the lampshade, which again was just sort of a, a silhouette. Um, and like I said, 2008. So yeah, about every two years, I'll, I'll have a sort of a brief event and none of them really seem to last more than, oh geez, I'd say probably two minutes, which probably means that they are, um, probably means that they are either longer or shorter <laughs> than, than that, because I'm sure that my sense of time in that, in that scenario is, is uh, skewed. Interesting. The, <clears throat> I, I, you know, the, the figure is so standard in these experiences. And of course, a lot of people, some with more conviction, have uh, good ideas as to what these figures are. Um, I remain open with, with the ideas of what it could all be, but they do seem to have this um, uh, edge to them that's not friendly. In, gen in general. And I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So well, I, I've often wondered, I've often wondered if it's not sort of the, uh, the astral equivalent of your car breaking down in a bad neighborhood, you know? <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. There's like the, the creepy crawlies kind of thing. I, you know, I've heard so many stories and, and sometimes I'm thinking where they seem like they're, they're completely not, Part of your unconscious or not part of your your doing like they do seem to have a separateness to them um that makes me think that it is some sort of etheric or ether or what what however you want to wrap the language around it that they're not you that the energy is not you so right and so that that's kind of i like pondering on that well and you know maybe i'm a little bit too quick to dismiss that first incident because i mean again like i said that apartment did have some really really strange things that happened um can you tell uh, us about example, some of those things thank you yeah so there was uh there was i mean because i don't think i've ever really talked about this that much um there was um so it was a living room joined by a very short corridor into a dining room that joined into the kitchen um and it wasn't until about my third year that I, I just, I, I realized that it wasn't just dishes settling, uh, you know, in the sink that, um, I would be sitting in the living room and it would sound like someone was absolutely doing the dishes. And I didn't think much of this until, um, until I had a friend over that I had regularly. And I said, Hey, have you ever noticed sometimes we're in here and he goes, Oh, the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> um, so there was that. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a relatively new townhouse. Of course, that doesn't really mean anything. There are plenty of stuff that happens um, in, in new locations. But the real, the real interesting thing was I had a uh, very cheap from my parents' house a long time ago. It was a hand-me-down uh, table with a, with a glass top. 
not a glass top like it was a pane of glass between like four aluminum rods very thin um like like a window pane basically it was basically like as thick as a window pane um and that was sitting in the uh sitting flush against the wall in the dining room with a picture above it uh, a collage that my sister had made of a trip that the two of us had been on um and so the, the picture was hanging above the glass table and the glass table was probably about uh 18 inches or no um about two feet deep and uh I remember I was upstairs once and I hear this giant crash and I come downstairs and the picture, the collage that my sister had made uh, is on, is face down. The glass is shattered on the carpet. Um, but the, I mean, it, but there, there's nothing wrong with the glass table that was directly underneath it. So it's almost like it had to jump two feet out from the wall and then smash to the floor. Um, that was probably the most dramatic thing uh, that happened in that apartment. That's very dramatic, Josh. Yeah, wow. I know. I did that thing that I did that thing that everybody does, which is like, oh, well, maybe it's nothing, but that's <laughs> that's pretty. You know, I because I, I mean, this is a this was a cheap ass table. I mean, there's and there's no way that it. I mean, a what made it fall? Because uh, I wasn't like st stomping around upstairs or anything. It just happened spontaneously. And then B, I feel like it should have at least you know damaged that table or been on the table but no it was it was actually out from the table as if something had lifted it up and dropped it to the floor do you for yourself is this a common thing for you to um shuffle shuffle strangeness or high strangeness into what might be the logical explanation and then just file it away or do you give yourself um ponder time um i mean I, th I think that it's changed in my life since i've been involved in this i mean i only really started getting earnestly into this sort of area in about 20 2012 or something you know doing the deep dive into podcasts and of course my first book was was 2015 so i mean it's 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 been a background interest but it's never i've never i've never taken these things as seriously as i do now so of course now i'm looking for it all the time and it never happens and mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, then, yes. Then, I, then i wasn't looking for it, and it <laughs> stop looking um, <laughs> but I think it's but I think it's a human condition. I mean, I think that if honestly, it's gonna sound more negative than I mean for it to, but I hope you'll take my meaning. I feel like if you're a sane person, that's what you're going to try to do. Like I I I'm the first person to say that there are a lot of people who put the dick in skeptic, but mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. uh but at the same time I think that's the healthiest way to, to be, you know, an open minded skeptic and try to rule stuff out, I think is the only way to really approach a lot of these subjects. So I mean uh there i mean stuff like stuff like that that i didn't see it's it's a little bit more easy it was it was easier for me to write it off as as something sort of mundane uh since then i've had some things happen here and there that i that, that they can't be um explained but uh it's it's kind of funny like i said um since i've really started getting into this that aspect of my life has really really died down since i've started looking for it yeah, I'm I'm not surprised to hear that. When you were younger, were you a fan of like sci-fi and horror at all? A hundred percent. I was I always tell people I was a monster kid. Like if there was yes. a creature feature, I was all over it. So Ray Harry, all the old Ray Harry Housen stuff, Voyages of Sinbad, oh, yeah. Miles to Earth, um, all that old stop motion stuff, I still have a yes. deep heart for, a deep, a deep real uh, affection for. Um, sort of a, you know anything creature feature monsters um i uh, uh predator was a staple in my 
yes. in my, my childhood. Um, you know, uh, I, I will say, and this is this is the superb irony of of all this that I'm doing right now is that because I was a creature a creature kid, um, and I was in love with all this this you know just horror and monsters and stuff. Um, my dad thought it would be great to show me Close Encounters of the Third Kind oh. <laughs> at like. <laughs> At like I don't know, probably six or so, seven. Um, that's probably that's, that's probably harsh. It was probably seven or eight. Um, and something about it just freaked me out. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's that incredibly riveting and horrifying scene where the child's abducted, um, which I still have trouble viewing today. But um, even the benevolent happy ending with the uh, the uh, the lead gray puppet which they actually ironically enough called puck you know there's a little fairy connection for you right totally um, um the, the 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 puck puppet just seared something into my brain and i literally could not look at an image of a gray alien no matter how stylized or re- or reductive or even cartoony it would just freak me the hell out um which this is where a lot of people say you're an abductee um but, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that if it was, you know, I think I, the scenario is what's terrifying me. I think that if it was, you know, three foot tall gummy bears coming into my room in the middle of the night, it would still scare me. I don't think it has anything to do with, I think I was associating the image of the gray with, um, with just that idea of being helpless in your bedroom. So um, I literally like, this was to the point that when my sister was pregnant with my nephews, uh, she told me to not look at their ultrasound pictures because it kind of looked like a gray alien. Like that's how, that's how, um, that's how sensitive I was to this. And oh, I so your whole family was aware that you were sensitive to it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And my mom gave my dad <laughs> no end of shit for it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think that once I started realizing that the abduction phenomena I don't know why this. I do know why this is. Once I once I, so so for for the longest time I was kind of I was into I was into I was a flesh and blood cryptozoology interest. That's where much a lot of my interest had shift and like the UFO thing. I thought must be a, a whole bunch of a bunch of uh, it had to be a fabrication because uh, I was seeing the inconsistency of experiences in terms of entities and craft as in of something not having an objective reality. Now I find that to be one of the most fascinating things. Um, but uh, it wasn't until later and I started hearing about altered states of consciousness and then again, the comparison to fairy folklore that I was actually able to, something about the idea that it's not little scientists from a, from a different planet, which I'm pretty convinced that the contact experience isn't representative of that. You know, don't at me folks. Um, but uh, once once I once I came to grips with the fact that the data seemed to suggest something, um, I'm, I'm going to use this term for lack of a better term, and it, it's 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 loaded, and I hope you'll just roll with me on it. Once I understood that there was something spiritual, or perhaps a better way to put it, is consciousness based about the abduction phenomena, all that anxiety about it uh, sort of faded away. Because, and I suspect that the reason for that is because. If it's consciousness based, I have a degree of sovereignty in that interaction. Whereas if it's, you know, if it's a material thing, then they can do whatever the heck they want to me. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any memories of any sort of abduction 
the past. Um, I don't have enough stuff to ha have that happens to me to make me think that I have any sort of history of, of, of abduction. I have zero incidents of missing time. Um, but uh, all of this, you um, know of. You know, I, I will say that that, that that smells kind of fishy that I was so freaked out by it. But, you know, maybe it was just an impressionable kid. I don't know. It doesn't smell fishy. The it's it was a movie, and it's set up to to be provocative like that, from the soundtrack to the hertz to the imagery. And as a young impressionable person, a kid, um, that is the goal. And so, I I you know I'm never one of those people to jump right into. I don't even know how I feel about any of that anyway. I'm just open. But I, it, to me, all of that would stem from the power and the magic of the production, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, would, definitely, I would definitely think that myself. I love your perspective here, though, that um, the sovereign aspect of spiritual, spirituality, which you own, which you're in charge of, as opposed to the victimhood aspect of an abductee. And again, I'm not being judgmental either. I, I, people have their experiences and those are, this is what we go off, in, off of in life. And I, I value everyone's own experience. So I, I'm, not, I'm not judging. But I do like the perspective here of taking that route that you actually have some control in this, that you're driving this rather than having been um, in the victim seat. Right. You know, I think that, I think that there is no shortage because I looked into this for the, for the latest book, there is no shortage of evidence to suggest that that aspect of sovereignty is retained into that experience and that, um, that you are not powerless from a consciousness standpoint whenever that sort of experience happens. Whatever that experience might be, it seems to be influenced by whatever consciousness is. <laughs> a lot of question marks in that, in that statement, but yeah, I hope you take my meaning. Well, that we, this, this is kind of, this kind of the nucleus of the show is what is consciousness and, and, and at getting at that, you know, these other experiences that we can all experience become part of that conversation, dreams, memory, death, all this stuff that kind of ties into real solid, tangible stuff in this world that we're living in. Um, however you want to look at that. And on that note, so the idea of so the dreams you do recall, and I'd like to bring in now the the big one you were talking about pre-show, and I want to get into that because I want to to understand how you dream when it does happen on the rare occasion that you remember it, how it looks like, how it feels, what's the uh, topography, all this stuff, what's the architecture going on. So if you don't mind, lead us right into this one and give us the time frame as well. Um, so hands down, the most profound dream that I have ever had. Um, because again, I, I, I just don't remember that many other ones, but I will remember this one until my dying day. Um, I had completed, it sounds like a giant promo for book number three, but I promise it's, it's not. I had completed my latest book and I was in this sort of, uh, I mean, here's the word, this liminal zone between uh, having it written and having it published. It was in the hands of my publisher and I was just sort of waiting uh, for it to come back. So this was like, this is like two, three months ago. It was not that long ago. Um, I, in the dream again, so my dreams have no sense of logic, no sense of tangible geography, none of that. Um, and I don't typically remember them, uh, past, you know, uh, 
a couple of couple of minutes. Um, I'm in bed with, this is actually so much easier to tell when it's light outside. I'm in bed with my wife and I open my eyes and there are some small lights. I'd probably say about golf ball size and serves drifting through the bedroom door. And she and I in the dream observe them and I get out of bed and walk out through our bedroom door to the landing because I, I jokingly refer to our house as the tree house because uh, the upper floor is like this landing that's, I mean, you know, it's, it's not large at all. It's, it's, I mean, it's the bathroom is bigger than the landing. Let's put it that way. Um, and off the landing is uh, one office was the office, which is a, a bedroom that I'm using for, you know, for writing and for podcasts. It's where I am right now. Um, a bathroom there, uh, another guest bedroom, and then our bedroom. So it's, and all these bedrooms are, are pretty small as well. I wish I had dimensions, but I'm crap with dimensions. Um, so I walk out in the dream from my bedroom after seeing these lights to the landing and I look down the stairs and our stairs are, uh, it's a two story house, but it's a, it's a very large, uh, the foyer goes up all two stories. And so you're looking out actually at, over a two story situation. Um, and at the bottom of the stairs, again, the geography and all this is perfect. At the bottom of the stairs, there is a figure uh, about my height, um, but it's blurry. Uh, it's 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 a darker gray, almost black, but it's almost like someone deliberately blurred it out. And but what's very apparent from it is the the silhouette is, you know, it's, it's the gray alien silhouette. It's you know, it's sort of like people talk about the taller, you know, the taller supervising gray aliens as opposed to the shorter drones. It's, it's the it's that silhouette. And I go down the stairs, and um, I kneel before this figure. And I turn my hands up, open-palmed, and I say to her, strongly saying this, her, her um, I say to her, my queen. And she and I walk back up the stairs. I'm not sure if I was holding hands, but I, I could, every time I caught a glimpse of her out of the corner of my eye, out of the periphery, um, it, was, it was, she was much clearer. Um, and as I reach the top of the stairs, she and I climb onto the bed where my wife is sleeping on her hands and knees. And again, this is the, this is where the dream ends out of the, out of the corner of my eye, the periphery. If I looked at her, I wouldn't see it, but out of the, with using my peripheral vision, uh, I can see that she's clear and uh, her face is definitely that sort of wraparound black eye face. Um, and then I wake up and I'm terrified and I cannot remember the Lord's prayer to save my life. Um, which if you look into sort of, <laughs> if you look into um, some popularly held ideas about demonology, that's something that people run into a lot is apparently, supposedly, if you try to remember the Lord's Prayer in the, in the presence of a demon, you will deliberately forget it. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm pretty agnostic on, you know, if, if, if what this phenomena represents as demons or whatever, it's, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I just, I felt that was... Uh, because I didn't know that fact at the time that some people say that if you have an encounter with a demon, you can't remember the Lord's prayer. And here I am, you know, weeks later hearing this, and I'm like, holy crap, that's exactly what happened to me. Um, you know, my skeptical, my skeptical side <laughs> is that, uh, is that, I mean, I, I, I'm obviously primed for this. I'm obviously primed to not only see an entity, um, that is, that resembles a gray alien, but I'm also primed to 
interpret it as you know the the fairy queen as queen mav queen mave um like I'm, if somebody's going to have that dream it's going to be me i mean <laughs> this is you know what i'm living um but what gives me pause is the logic um what gives me pause is the sense of geography that's missing from every other dream i've ever had in my life. uh sense of it being that could have happened minus this figure and minus these lights um and uh it's just it's 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 stuck with me so so strongly i mean i i can't i i kind of have a little bit of trouble talking about it but it's out now so there we go <laughs> it's this is amazing imagery and um it's amazing it's 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 very there's something um unique in all the dreams I hear, and also there's something familiar. I've heard another person tell me about bowing at the knee and addressing the figure in a rather regal, royal manner. Um, the my queen thing is very intriguing to me. Was there, so if we can dive into this a little bit deeper. Sure, sure. Uh, did you have a sense of, so when you're in it, you, you know, obviously you have this visual and she's, she's on your periphery. You know, you couldn't focus in on her, but you could see her through the periphery. And, um, and, you know, we have the steps and all this going on. Was there a sense of the air in the dream? You know, the, the general environment, feel of the environment? um temperature or i mean i still i mean if i had to say something it would be still um that that's not a detail that really jumps out to me um i would just say a certain stillness a certain calmness um throughout the whole thing did you so in this too were you because i get a sense okay so I guess I didn't get it, and you may have said it and i may have as i was closing my eyes listening to you and i usually am a I'm a good listener, but I, I guess I, I may have overheard, not heard you say this, but was there any sense of fear in there? No, I mean, it was, it was, um, it's just it's so creepy. I mean, and, and don't, don't think that I'm, cause I, I, I want to talk about this. I want to hash this out. Um, so don't, so when I, when I say, when I sort of backpedal a little bit, don't, don't think that I'm, because I, I want to don't give me the option to back out because I don't want to. Um, it almost this is this is a super creepy thing to say, but it almost had the sense of things being set right. Mm. Um, like, and I'm not saying that this is what's happening, but this is sort of a gives you an idea of the character of it. Like, kind of prodigal sonny, kind of. Um, seat at the throne you know, taking your rightful place, seat at the throne kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but not in the sense that I was doing that, but in the sense that I was, I mean, that I was acknowledging something that was there. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, quite. So, okay. So you had in, in this too, since in the dream, your wife was in the bedroom, right? You said she was on her hands and knees sleeping. No, um, no, uh, she was sleeping regularly. Uh, the entity and I crawled onto the bed on our hands and knees and, and crawled towards her. 
Okay. And so what I'm getting here is so in the dream, you were, you were Josh, you were your persona as you are now because you're grounded in your life there. So your wife is there. I mean, yeah. And then that's another thing. Like I've had so many dreams where I'm not me or something about me is off or I'm with somebody else, uh, you know, in a relationship with somebody else. None of that, none of that. Like I said, this was like, I got up, went and, 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 and the only thing that was amiss was like I said, the light the entity like it was 100% me 100% her 100% our our house as I know it you know? Mm-hmm. how lucid did you feel in it like how how real in the in it in the experience did it feel um 100% I mean I look, I look back on it now and it, it feels like it has a little bit more of a dreamlike quality but uh well that could be memory by yeah, the way yeah yeah that's true so, okay. So when you, when you first encountered her, when you, when you go down and so, so that you, it is basically you're in high lucidity here. What was this feeling? If you analyze why it is you got down and said, you know, my queen to her was this, um, d- did you have control over that or was, did it feel like the dream was flowing that way? That, that was compelled. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly, I mean, if I, if I was, if I was highly lucid, I don't, I mean, like I would have, <laughs> I would have freaked out. <laughs> like if it happened now, I'd freak out. So I would assume that if I was, had that sort of control over what I was doing, I would have, uh, I would have freaked out in the dream. So it, it felt sort of compelled, but again, in that sort of like, oh, that's right. This is the way the script goes. Uh-huh. That's right. You know, um, this is, this is, this is what you do when you hold court. Yes. You know? Yes. And so also, was there a sense of sound? So when you made the noise, when you made, when you vocalized, how, how did that become present in the room? Mm. Was sound. I'm not entirely convinced there was, but if there was sound, it was that sort of very dead sound that you get in like a recording studio. There was, there was, it was nothing wet about the sound. It was like, just, there was no reverb. It was just, yeah. And was she at all, did you register communication with her? Um, say that again. Was there like a, a sense of communication with her that registered like coming from her to you? Hmm. Uh, I mean, not particularly. Um, uh, again, it was almost like that sort of idea of being scripted or like dance steps. Like, if, there's no need to say anything because this is that's what happens next as we go upstairs. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's intriguing. And so, all right, then to ground this back again into your daily life, you had just wrapped up the book, right? Well, I mean, yeah, just just as a relative term, I actually um, finished the first draft in November and tweaked it on and off, and then um, I had sent a draft to Patrick and he had at, at Anomalous Books, and he had sent it back with some suggestions. But this was between final draft and publishing. So yeah, but you, you were heavily edit- steeped in it. It's like the editing phase. You're- well, I mean, no, it was past the editing phase. It was it was locked. Um, it okay. just hadn't uh, the cover material the, the release the, it hadn't been released yet i guess mm-hmm. um so but yeah but this was i mean 
honestly, the the turnaround on this one was so long, I kind of got obsessive over it. Um, so this was occupying. It was it was a real bummer to me that we were having some difficulties getting this out uh, as sort of as slow as we were um, at the time. So yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it regularly, like multiple times a day. And so in in this. Um, so, right. So you're heavily steeped in are already in the realm of Fae and the, you know, and of course these, the grays and all that fall right into that, as you know, um, right. was there anything similar that you had encountered in your research to her? I mean, not really. I mean, so we have the lights beginning this whole thing, which sound very much like fairy lights. It sound a lot like sort of the orb phenomena which I, I did talk about a little bit because it seems that children seem to regularly see sort of recall seeing light phenomena around their cribs and such. So that was something we got talked about a little bit. Um, but uh, I mean, the archetype of the, of the, the fairy folk being shorter beings being led by a taller fairy queen is something that you run into in a ton of fairy stories. So um so, I mean, that's probably the closest thing as far as like a blurry entity visiting somewhat. No, it's not, it's not, uh, no, nothing like that has ever really, has really crossed my desk in this context. And so when you woke up and you're, and you're in that kind of after experience of it, did you register it clearly as like the, in the, the form of, and packaging of the gray alien as opposed to say some sort of fae? Um, I mean, honestly, honestly, that distinction has become so blurred for me now. <laughs> I don't know if I would, you know, um, unpack it that way anyway. Um, it is for I mean, me too. The, They're in, kind of the same. It, yeah. In the dream, in the dream, it felt like, in the dream, it felt less like a gray and more like, a fairy queen who looked like a gray. But, you know, as soon as I woke up, all the fear came in, which was actually not in the dream. Um, and then it was like, yeah, that could have, that could have, you could interpret that either way. That, that, that perception was a lot more um, apparent to me. The, and was there, so one of the things that strikes me with this and, and we both agree, we, we both agree to me that it's, that it's so, they're so tied together. I, I just think that the grays are part of our modern packaging for this experience, but there's something with the eyes in particular that seems so bug-like to me. Um, and I can never get past that. And so I also associate that with types of fae. But I was I was raised in an Irish household, and this stuff was around. Um, so, uh, any anything about her that felt more bug-like? I mean, well, a about your upbringing. So that's that's fascinating. <laughs> we should probably talk about that at some point. Um, you know, if not tonight, then later. But um. As far as her specifically, like mannerisms or anything about it, I mean, obviously most of it was blurry. Um, the only thing that seemed bug-like were the eyes. Um, movements were were lithe; they weren't, you know, jittery or quick like a bug or anything. Um, you know, I would say probably that sort of regal sense of, of motion, almost like a dancer or something. 
Yeah, it, um, this is great. Thank you. I um I think Jerry uh, wants to chime yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. If, so this happened during the release of the book, pre-release, right? And I know, and it sounds. I promise. I promise you, I'm not making this up to sell no, books. I'm, I don't think you are. I'm not like um, you don't have to defend yeah. yourself at all. I'm. I'm more curious about. I was going to ask. Not more curious. Did you have any other experiences during the writing of the book, or was uh, there the only thing hmm. that really came close um, was when I first started research? I was um, I was playing a gig and. Uh, sort of a festival scenario and there was a uh, psychic there reading people's rooms. I never had my rooms read so um, I asked her to read them and she ended up saying that that was very intuitive which is not something that I've really gotten in my life but whatever I'll roll with it and she wanted to give me her information and this was like I said I just started researching I'd just gotten into uh, you know Lilith as being sort of this overarching figure in a lot of child abductions and uh, she doesn't have her card on her, so she pulls out. Um, she pulls out. I don't even think it was a tarot card. I think it was just a card of like of like uh, from a, from a deck of deities or something. But I should go back and look at it. But the card, of course, is Lilith of all mere information. Um, so that's, that's the only awesome. other synchronistic thing that really happened to me um, in, over the course of of writing of writing the book. And the um, other books, in terms of proximity to this dream, mm-hmm. nothing really. Yeah. Okay. What? And, and other books you didn't have that. I've heard other authors talk about having phenomena occur during the writing of a book. Once they dig into the subject, they'll start having synchronicities and then possibly experiences with the subjects. And, and I have had a little bit more. I mean, I've had like, you know, sort of with, with everything else I've written, I've had a lot of library angel phenomena. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Not at all. Uh, so the library angel is uh, this idea that when you're researching either a book will fall off a shelf that's the exact book that you need a reference you're trying to find or something you've had trouble finding um or you'll stumble upon something that is um out of print and shows up on your doorstep the next day that's that sort of thing yeah Yeah, exactly so i've had those sort of experiences but uh and i've had i've had other profound synchronicities but as far as you know in the course of me being creative it's just been it's pretty low level stuff Hmm. um i did have one really intense synchronicity um, on the way back from a gig in Austin, uh, but that's neither here nor there. We could talk about that later. If you want. Sure. Did you did you ever think about this dream as possibly a thank you? Um, I have. Um, I mean, I feel like I feel like the number. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like. Uh. I feel like it's become a personal um, goal of mine. It's, it's something that I've, I've really taken on to champion this reappreciation, this reassessment of sort of this older fairy phenomenon to sort of take back what that means um, and to put it in this, in this context uh, to a greater audience. So I've thought about that sometimes, like what if this is a sort of thank you for, for paying for, you know, for, uh, for, giving us attention for, you know, sort of re-enchanting the world a little bit in, in that sense. Yeah, that's definitely crossed my mind. Yeah, right, because if, if, if you're right, which is possible, um, they probably feel slighted by the, all the nonsense that's grown <laughs> organically, or not inorganically, through the UFO movement. I mean, ufology in and of itself, so. 
Yeah, I would. I, 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 uh, I can, I can take that reading very clearly. Um, I, I, I could, I could see that being a definite. Uh, yeah. So I mean, if, if a definite. Is, so the follow up is just a, if it is a thank you, then you shouldn't be freaked out about it. Well, right, exactly, and you know, it's. Um, I mean, I think it's telling that I wasn't scared during the dream. And that you know, it was as soon as my, as soon as my higher functioning brain uh, kicked in, that's when I ended up, you know, getting getting frightened. Right, right, right. Which is a problem. It's very cool. I have a question on that, and I think uh, Jerry pinpointed something I feel was very significant up front for me was it did feel like a, an acknowledgement and a thank you as a observing. You're telling of it. I, I wanted to ask. Your babies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's I, some. There's some. There's some. Uh, actually, we want to talk. You want to talk about synchronicities? We can talk about some stuff off air. Um, well, but I, while I, we're I, here I, with this, <laughs> um, when you woke up and when you when you start when your conscious mind, your waking mind, started to kick in and the fear stuff with the encounter you had um started to surface did you do you have particulars what in particular gave you those kind of chills um so what so what 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 kicked in the fear response yeah was it just that it was so um, real the, i mean the, the clear the clear no, no it wasn't the surreal it wasn't the surreal it wasn't how surreal it was it was the clarity the clarity was what was what just kicked my ass right away um, because I've had some, I've had some pretty unsettling nightmares in the past. I actually remembered another one if you want to talk about it at some point. Yeah, but, um, let's, let's. I've had some pretty unsettling nightmares in the past, but they still had that. Okay, well, they, they, but you know, all the other ones have still had that sort of, you know, goofy sense of geography, that sort of patchwork. Oh, I remember this and I remember what happened next, but there's a gap missing. All that has been in every other dream I've ever had. And this one was a continuous narrative where I remembered all of it and it was all very clear. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what, that's what really kicked my butt and made it feel, that made it feel real, which made it feel, uh, intimidating. Yes. Which also just, just as an observer of it really drives home that there's a real feel of thank you for telling, thank you and acknowledgement. And, um, and down to the point where you were, you got on your knees with your hands up, with your hands open like that is like a. It just seems so clear to me listening to it. Um, I'd love to hear about nightmares that just popped into your head. Uh, yeah, so this one's this one's a lot patchier, as I mentioned. But I remember being in <sighs> can't I can't rightly. I mean, I was obviously I've been basically in some sort of research mode for the past three years. So obviously, I was researching stuff. But I remember being in some sort of nightclub bar sort of scenario. And there being these faces that were appearing out of this sort of drop tile ceiling. But again, you know, if the tiles were there, how were they, the faces appearing? I don't know. This is the sort of stuff that I usually go through with dreams. But images of faces appearing and uh, they, you looked, um, I don't want to say clown-like because I don't have a clown thing, but they appeared to be benign but the more you looked at them the more that you could tell there was something really really negative underneath um these leering faces these um smiling faces with this this vibe of evil and the more i looked at them in this sort of 
far, the more I could tell that they were, this is something that I will say did feel straight up demonic. Um, and it was this attitude of, uh, the vibe that I got was sort of back off, keep your distance. Um, this was probably about a year, year and a half ago that I had this dream. And that's about as, yeah, that's about as, that's about as, um, that's about as intense as it gets. I mean, that's about as vivid, rather, as, as I can remember the whole thing. Well, that, that's rather ominous, though. Um, and interesting. What could, were you, are you able to stitch in what was possibly going on? Was that when you started working on the book? I mean, I was, I was, I've been, I mean, I've, I think I've taken like four months off between books in the past. So in terms of research, so, um, I mean, I was probably working on something. I don't think it was this yet. It might've been, um, it was in this house. So, and it was in this house. It'll be two years in September. Um, so it might've been between, uh, the brimstone deceit and this new book. Um, yeah, but as, I mean, as far as remembering exactly, I mean, but here's the thing. Thing. Part of the reason that I don't remember this one is a because of the sort of inconsistency that I've been talking about, but also um, the, the fact that because it was inconsistent, it didn't leave as much of an impression on me because I could write it off as being more of just a you know a little dream to me. Yeah, um, yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, so, I, so I ended up not internalizing all the details like I have this other one, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It, oh, it totally does. But it's great that it popped up here while we were. <laughs> I could see that as an acknowledgement or thank you too, to be honest. <laughs> or, or, or a back off. I mean, that's, or a back that's off. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't know why, because I don't really write about, you know, demons and, you know, but, but uh, that was, this was the one thing that felt, really did feel demonic, whatever that means. Yeah, but with the Fae, a lot of it is stay away. And so that's why I asked if it was during the beginning, because it's, there's definitely within the the lore at least it's within the That's oral true, stuff there, true, there's true, a yeah. staying away this is leave us alone we'll leave you alone there are consequences yeah no that makes sense um and you know it's interesting i've i feel like you know since the dream um a lot of areas in my life knock on wood are experiencing um some some real uh some some a real sort of uh spate of some, some pretty th things are trending positive uh, i guess in my life is the way that i would put it mm -hmm. so what what sign are you josh i'm a taurus oh i am so too very, i'm yeah. an april taurus <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an april taurus too <laughs> oh so you're your first deacon okay we're similar then as far as that um and is it are you this is kind of an old school Nox Mente question, uh, and it, it's, I don't know, some people think it's silly, but it, it's interesting. Are, are you by chance RH negative? No. Okay. You never know. And it's funny because we don't ask it every time. It's, it was on, it's the, it's kind of our old school stuff. It, it seemed like some people were. It's the same school. We're going to keep asking it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it seems like some people are so put off by it. So I, I am, I am O positive, but uh, 
By the way, anybody wants to steal my identity, just listen to this podcast because I'm just opening, <laughs> <laughs> opening up with everything. Okay, so all right, so stepping back here a bit, what so on the nature of of these dreams, and we we already kind of got a little bit into how memory kind of ties into it. What do you think? What do you think's going on with dreaming? What do you think that function is besides the general? Everyone knows this: the unpacking of your day, your daily chatter. What do you think's going on at a deeper level? Um, um I mean, honestly, I feel like I've, I've had so many, um, so many. I've had so many small dreams and so few big dreams that I'm not sure that I honestly, I mean, I don't think that I, I, I don't buy the unpacking your day thing because sometimes I'll, I'll have somebody or something pop into a dream that I haven't even thought about in years. Oh, um, I, okay. I love that. This is, <laughs> yes, you just brought in a whole new angle because most people agree that there's that unpacking happening. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, yeah, there is sometimes there is sometimes, um, but I don't, I don't buy that as like, I buy that as, as, as part of the function, you know? Yeah. Um, and who knows, like maybe, maybe uh, in order to properly store my memory of a conversation that I had with someone today, they needed to take my senior recital off the shelf and dust it off. And, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, to, to make room and scoot some stuff down the shelf. I just don't know. Um, but uh, I, 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 I mean, for example, if you listen to my wife's dreams, I mean, my wife has dreams about blue pigman aliens that, uh, uh, that drag people away by putting like hooks in their nipples and dragging them under oh their stage. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is these are my wife's dreams. She gets all the interesting dreams. Um and like that's that's nothing like that's not filing your day away. <laughs> like, I mean, right, like, right. That's like, that uh, some deeper stuff. I, I look at I look at a bunch more weird stuff than her and I haven't anything remotely like that happen. So uh, so so in your in your research on all your books, have you and so this is again looking at like kind of the philosophical idea of dreaming. Have you encountered any any thread of continuity through through your research that suggests that dreaming plays a bigger role in in all of this, in the paranormal and the unknown and the odd stuff in your own personal life? Is there um, any you know? Is it a portal? What's you know have I guess I'm looking for your ponder on it. So it doesn't necessarily have to be so much rooted in the experiences you do not recall, because I know you dream more than you, than you recall. So I guess it's how do you feel about the whole realm of dreaming? Well, you know, I think, um, so there's been, I'm sort of going to circle around to this. And uh, I think that a lot of, I think that there's a lot of problems with hypnotic regression in retrieving. There can be a lot of problems with hypnotic regression in retrieving contact experience memories. Um, uh, but what I don't think people appreciate is that, um, you know, say that you're having, putting someone into an altered state of consciousness with hypnosis and they, are recalling what they think is an alien abduction. 
Um, while that might not be what happened to them, it doesn't mean that they aren't on your couch in this altered state experiencing that right then. Does that make sense? So that by, um, by being placed into, by being put under hypnosis, they're not, they're not recalling, they're not always recalling past memories. They might be experiencing what they're describing right then and there because they are in the, in the altered state of hypnosis. Um, Plus, and then add in any leading information that may have been said by the therapist. Right, right. So like so many things, I think that sometimes it's a garbage tool and you get garbage out of it. Sometimes that you get genuine memory recall. Sometimes I think that maybe you get this sort of middle thing, which isn't, it's not memories, but they are experiencing what they think are memories right there in that moment because they are in a hypnotic state. I say that to say that I think that, um, I think that for a long purpose um i mean i here we go we're talking about stuff um and it's, it's bringing stuff up uh i mean i have had after every major family relation that i have loved uh die um i've had a dream of them visiting me to say goodbye um so has my mom as well um so I think that I think that dreams can facilitate this sort of contact with the other. I mean, it's it's by definition, you know. I mean, I don't need to tell you guys this. By definition, an altered states. So, um, I think that. I mean, I think that, like hypnosis, it can it can serve multiple purposes and be an altered state where you can also communicate some stuff. So, dreams sometimes are helping you file stuff away. Dreams sometimes are absolute nonsense dreams sometimes are uh giving you impressions of the future dreams sometimes are telling you things about yourself that you don't know and sometimes dreams are helping you contact uh something uh that is beyond our physical reality you you kind of just wandered right into something that we get into and that is the dead and um and dreams of of people you know that have passed or or passing that you dream they were passing before you actually knew so and since some of that just came up do you have some examples yes after um after my uh maternal grandfather passed away um i recall him uh coming and sitting on the edge of my bed and just telling me that everything was okay um it's more of impressions than the actual uh, clarity of the dream was this the doctor? Um, no, this was this was the one I liked. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I ain't heard shit from the doctor. Okay. Um, uh, I after my the family after we had to put the family dog down uh, multiple years ago, I had a very vivid dream of him coming up and, and licking my face. Again, no narrative like with my latest dream, but uh, of him coming up and, uh, and 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 licking my face. Um, Aww. So yeah, I mean, those are just two examples. Um, my mom has had has had has had that on a more consistent basis, but uh, yeah. Do you remember more when your grand of the granddad one? Uh, no, no, not at all. Just said he um, came and said he was all right. He passed away when I was like eight. And when did you have uh, the dream? Uh, just right around his funeral. Oh wow! Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, very, very close proximity. Uh-huh. And the dog, was it within close proximity of the dog's passing? Um, I mean, relatively close. I'd say about two or three months. 
And how old were you around that time? Oh, geez, that I was. Um... I was probably 21 or 22. Okay. And do you remember? So he, it was just kind of, he came up and licked your face. How did you, did, was there an emotional response while you were in there? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I began crying and I woke up uh, with tears on my face. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, if I wanted to be, <laughs> if I wanted to be that guy, I could say that what I thought was, you know, uh, licking was, was the, te- were the tears on my face, but uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The animals in dreams really are is my side fascination. Animals and then things in deep water. Um, as Kristen Lang, I don't know if she's in the chat because I'm not looking, but that knows that those are she like was. big subjects for me. Um, what do you, so do you experience deja vu? And if you do, which I think you probably do, everyone seems to, have you pinpointed what you think that is? Um, I do. I don't have anything. I don't have any real profound deja vu moments or sinks that I can remember. Um, but I have gotten that feeling before, but it's almost always, um, it's never like I remembered. It's always the feeling of having done something before without remembering any sort of specific things having happened before. Um, but yeah, that does happen. I'd say relatively regularly. I'd probably say about every uh, three or four times a year. Um, what do I think is happening? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think that it might be a little, um, a little, uh, a little, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it might be a little bit of a, uh, reminder of some sort of vague precognition, um, in the past. Um, I, uh, as, as far as like really trying to codify it into my belief system, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do you, have you at any time when you've had a deja vu been able to place where it originated? Not particularly. Again, because it's not really, I mean, it's never... It's never really the sense I've done something before in terms of I remember I was sitting down here eating a steak and someone used the phrase, uh, that's a giant spider. Like, it's not anything like that. It's always much more vague. It's always just like, I have the feeling that something about this has played out like this before, but I cannot put my my uh, finger on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What Josh, what do you think? And so I, I want the most like... What I'm looking for when I ask this question is really your most free response. And um, because we all know that this is just, we're pondering. And um, so nobody needs to hold anyone to this stuff. We can allow ourselves to just speak and ponder out. But what do you think is happening right now? What do you think like this reality, this waking reality, that's very tangible. You cut yourself, you bleed, you know, we die, we hurt the real cause and effect stuff. But what do you think it is ultimately this waking life we're having? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, I, 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 so I, my, my personal 
um, sort of belief structure is kind of, I'm kind of at this um, animistic weirdo Christian sort of thing. <laughs> so I, I, I do identify as a Christian, but I think that the mechanisms behind uh, life in the world are strange, um, stranger than we can imagine. Um, I tend toward, I have some sympathy for some certain Gnostic views. Um, uh, with the idea that there is some sort of uh, prison-like component um, to this. Uh, I, I, I have pretty big problems with the language around ideas of the holographic universe because it's, there's something very anthropomorphic about the way that people talk about that, um, about this idea that we are in a simulation. Well, if whatever this is is so unknowable, the word simulation probably has no real meaning um meaning from uh you know meaning to whatever this other is um so yeah i i don't know um like i said i'm not i'm not sympathetic to this to the um to the sort of simulation hypothesis but at the same time um i don't think that uh, what we see is is what we get um you know i'm i'm very um sympathetic towards ideas that you know terence mckenna talking about how uh reality itself is psychedelic and if we experience if we spend as much time from infancy until until you know adulthood in sort of the psychedelic uh other realm uh, would we be able to navigate it as well as we do our own realm? I suspect that that's probably the case. Um, that reality really is some sort of uh, shared uh, psychedelic experience. Um, but in terms of what exactly that means, I am at a complete loss. Were you were you brought up Christian? I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, laid back Christian. So I mean, like I have a. I have a uh, uncle who is uh, who is Muslim, and uh, it, it was the idea was has never been entertained in the house that he is you know going to hell, um, which uh, so so I mean it's not um, it's not uh, it wasn't like you know any sort of uh, hardcore hardline Christian. I mean we went to church every Sunday, believe in Jesus, um, but are, allow for a lot of wiggle room in terms of the way that the uh, the world works. Mm -hmm. Did you at any point, we, we usually actually ask about religion early on, but I, I, somehow it's just always snakes in. So I've been letting it pop up where it, come, where come it in, comes. Yeah. Come in, um, uh, organically. Yeah, absolutely. And well, because it's hard to, you know, I mean, it's just natural when we're talking openly like this and about these kinds of almost etheric ideas of everything that it, you're going to get there um when so when you were young young okay so did you it was like loose you know kind of like i think of the basic american christian upbringing most people just went to school went to church on sundays and all that even no matter what their general uh denomination was did you ever have a period where you were exploring other options or were you always just kind of steady for the course um, in terms of, in terms of looking into other, in terms of looking into other sort of, uh, spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I mean, I, I, I'm of the opinion that so much of so much of Christianity today is actually sort of a disguised uh, ancestor worship. You know, I'm I'm this denomination because my parents were this denomination. Their parents were this denomination, and I can't possibly break off from it. Um, I mean, I've flirted with some other stuff. Um, I, uh, I mean, I tend to be sort of pan theistic in a lot of ways. Um, I think that there's a lot that can be uh, adapted and adopted from other other faiths. Um, I've had uh, girlfriends who run the gamut from um, New Age to uh, Jewish to agnostic to atheist, and I think they all had some very good points. Um, mm -hmm. um, so it's more of a cafeteria, I mean, more of a cafeteria style spirit Christianity, I guess, which I know a lot of people are saying probably isn't the proper way to practice, but there's just too much good stuff out there <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, to, not, to not pick and choose. Um, I, I I thought about I mean yeah I I would rather I would rather um, I, I I yeah I just I, I I sort of use my Christianity as a home base and accrete other things onto it from other disciplines is sort of where my own personal uh, faith lies. I that I like that, that. I I like that a lot and I personally love the whole cafeteria idea. I know that hardcore orthodox people do not and I understand that. But I like that idea. It always seems very open to me and um somehow more more for me there's just I don't know. It just seems like more of a direct path to whatever because you're open. Uh, so from here let's let's look at um death and so clearly in the way we're experiencing this waking life death is a point that we're all going to get to and go through um with and you know we can we can throw in a lot of other stuff that you've done it before and all that but if we just look at it from here and now you're going that way we're all going that way and it's going to happen what do you think happens what do you think that what do you think death is um just your thoughts gen in general on death well i think that um to to deny a lot of the very competent very compelling research um that's out there about reincarnation even if it is quote-unquote anecdotal which is a term i have a huge problem with people using but it's fine um there's there's enough evidence to me to suggest that the concept of reincarnation is something that should at least be uh that, that should at least be entertained um i am quite uh i'm quite um bullish on the idea that there may be this sort of sea of consciousness that we go to because so one of the things that people who are anti-reincarnation always say is like well how come there are more people now than there have ever been if everyone's reincarnated come on you know go go pound sand that's a dumb argument are there I mean, if you look at, <laughs> we, we don't even know that's, that that's like true saying, that's like saying why are there more why are there more waves on the ocean today when there are later when it's the same amount of water like what i suspect or what i <laughs> What I think is a is an interesting model. I can't have any really any real evidence to, to back this up. But what I what I think would be an interesting way uh, to sort of view this is that consciousness is like an ocean, and um, 
the egos that we see that crop up uh, can be as many or as few as waves on the ocean. And just like waves on the ocean, they um, gather momentum, they crest, and they diminish as well. And the next wave contains part of the other wave. And, um, and uh, the... the it's it's all one big sort of sea and sea and soup. Um, I am less confident on the concept that we um, maintain the ego after death. Um, I love that idea, but that's because I have my ego. <laughs> I love the idea that we contain it, but like I said, it's because I have an ego right now and I don't want to lose it. Um, but it seems to suggest to me that we are looking at um, sort of. I mean, people want to say that uh, consciousness is an epiphenomenon of the brain. Well, I would argue that uh, ego or um, individual lives are perhaps an epiphenomena of this consciousness soup. I mean, these, they're a naturally emerging phenomena that we sort of all go out uh, to and from. Um, I do think that there is a benevolent guiding force that manages this consciousness ocean and i think that it has interacted um more regularly than we think uh with um with uh with mankind uh for what reason i i really don't know um but uh i that's that's sort of where i am now and i should hope that if you talk to me in a year it will be a little bit different because i don't want to get too stuck in, in any sort of single way of uh of of, uh, of thinking. Jerry and I are both that way. We're always allowing new, <laughs> new data yeah. to change us. Totally. It's, I, and I really respect that in other people. It's, I, I like that mutability. Mm-hmm. So I've, if you don't mind, can we get into a little woo woo and some of your ideas on some of the woo woo? Sure. <laughs> No, it's, you, you should know the answer to that by now. <laughs> I know, I'm just, but you, you never know, and I, I like to ask. And um, I don't think anyone's ever said no. I know, right? But they have said no in the responses, basically. Sure. So, um, yeah. So, where do you stand on the whole? So, what is to you? What is space? What's going on with all that? What is space? Ah, oh, she's see. Oh, huh. Ah. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on space? Um, I feel like I should have a more... Co See, so here's my thing. Um, I kind of, I, I kind of don't give a shit about space. Um, like a lot of these, and this is a horrible thing to say, um, but a lot of these, you know, scientific developments about space, I keep on hearing, um, uh, they just they don't i don't find them all that interesting which is an awful thing to say um i think it probably goes hand in hand with my uh, lack of real interest in the uh in the eth i think it's probably uh, there's some sort of tie in there um um i do not say that i don't think that there have been haven't been extraterrestrial civilizations i've become a lot more interested in mars and sort of the work of john brandenburg about the idea that there might have been some sort of civilization that had some sort of nuclear uh nuclear apocalypse given the uh the uh particular um 
radioactive isotopes that are found there that we only know about uh, after nuclear uh, explosions on our planet. That seems to suggest there might be some sort of validity to that. Um, but I mean, I, I get for the, I get the impression that the the the, um, the more depressing interpretation of the, the the Fermi paradox might be the the more realistic one that we're actually more alone than we think. Um, you know, I, I I think that space is kind of a distraction from the inner world um, in a lot of ways. Um, because I mean, if you look at if you look at the stuff that mankind has to do physiologically to survive large interstellar travel or life on other worlds, um, it's it's it seems almost insurmountable the effects of zero gravity on human bodies. Um, uh, it would it would take uh, it would take some real um, take some take some real effort and some real advancements. So, what do I think space is? <sighs> um, Ah, see, this is interesting because now I have to because I'm I'm so critical of materialism and physicalism, but I I guess if I really want to be if I really want to be genuine in that belief, I have to sort of provide some sort of other interpretation for stuff like what is um what is uh what is outer space? I mean, so what? 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 What are? You, what are what's y'all's take? I feel like I just rambled and stumbled over myself for. No, you actually didn't. Minutes. It was kind. Of, um, we don't know. We think it's definitely misdescribed. We think. I think. I think it's misdescribed. I think that a lot of, almost ninety, hundred percent of the imagery we get back from space is computer generated. We never get anything we see that's live in space. Looks weird. It looks like not what they tell us it's supposed to be. Like, you never see stars when you're out the ISS videos, you know, and mm. things like that. The whole uh, Elon Musk thing with the car, no stars at all, but there's bubbles everywhere or something flying around. So it's obviously some kind of medium that's not a vacuum. But, you know, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... I, I think that there are definitely space shenanigans. Let's put it that way. Um, That's perfect. Um, I don't know how how deep that particular rabbit hole goes, but I know. I mean, I had a put it this way: NASA was started by Nazis and Freemasons. I mean, that's like <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm totally on board with you. And I mean, and I had I had a friend of mine who just took a job at a highly pra highly placed. Um. Huh, a highly placed scientific organization that would you would all recognize. I'm, I'm being deliberately coy That's because okay. I don't know if he wants to get out, but um, who who admitted to me that he's not convinced that the only people to send uh, uh, Americans into space has been NASA. I don't think Which, that they ever did. Well, I mean, but I mean, in terms of like the way that uh, the way that the culture of questioning has evolved. I mean, that, that to me was a shocking uh, statement from this guy. Um, because I mean, he's 
for the longest time, good guy, um, very dear friend of mine, but he's for the longest time been a very reductionist, materialist, atheist kind of character. And for him to say that, it was like, oh, there's there's a crack in the wall. (laughs) (laughs) If you pay attention, it's pretty obvious NASA has gotten nowhere in the last 20 years. Well, yeah, of course, that and like, you know, if you look at the amount of stuff, and this is where I break with with some of my more vocal friends in the community, but um, if you look at so much of what they've done, it's got it's got ritual written all over it. All over that's it. patently obvious. Mm-hmm. They sent Juno to Jupiter. What that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know who I, did yeah, a really space good space shenanigans? You know who did a really good breakdown? It was um, Michael Joseph. If you've ever heard his take on the moon landing and what that ritual was all about. That was well, good. I'll have to look into it. I'll find you a link. Um, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, even if you want to accept the party line of what we've done, it's still drenched in in ritual and symbolism, and there's still, yeah. But I think I, I'm seeing it more and more. I don't know about Nish, but I, I think <laughs> this will sound weird. I think everything is to a degree by on purpose. Like it's the it's the organic in it looks like ritual to us or looks like shenanigans well the thing that i don't know sometimes that i have a hard time parsing out is i'm i'm convinced that reality is symbolic um and so sometimes i don't know if what we see and we perceive as human-led ritual human-led um conspiratorial language if that's not just the universe being symbolically resonant on itself um again a big problem with people who are into a lot of these alternative uh lines of thinking is that they want it to be everything or nothing so either it's human conspiracies that we see little glimpses of or the universe is symbolic and i I suspect that's probably somewhere in between i Um, think it's both and or, you know, or one is reacting to the other, or yeah. Right, so both right, right. I, just, I just wonder how many times we mistake one for the other and vice versa. I thought, um, I thought for a while I was thinking, one of my thought, uh, one of the things I thought for a while was that the, the things that we identify as possible ritual or sacrifice going on somewhere is actually feedback from whatever was done to make that happen. So look at Vegas, for instance, uh, the shooting. There was all the numerology around everything in Vegas was really, really weird. It was all 91 and 911 and 10s everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's that. And I could look at that as being feedback for whatever operation was done to make that happen. So the energy that was released made those numerical synchronicities occur or birth them or whatever you know well right one thing that you know um gordon white and uh chris Knowles have been talking about um is the the proximity of that to the amuamua reveal Which, <laughs> yes right yeah. um yeah and i think that uh i think that the i mean i think that it's it was a hard it, i i i i do think that there were 
you know, dozens of people did. So I don't want anybody oh, to I, think that. No I'm question. Uh, no, we're not, I'm not questioning what occurred. I was just, I'm looking at, the, I'm looking oh, at it from a 10,000 foot view. Well, what I was, what I was going to say in regards to that though, was, um, he, I, I think that it was, it's one of the most important moments in conspiracy culture in the past decade or something. Um, because yes, it's, it's the one, it's the one thing that every normie that I will talk to still agrees that there is something not adding up with the whole Vegas thing. Still not adding up. Yeah, yeah. my sister, yeah. my sister's like, that's really weird. What she called me, she's like, that's weird. What happened? I'm like, I know. Welcome. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, the other good thing is that all those people who said this is fucked up are going to be looking at every next mass event more critically. Yeah, it was like a seeding, really, in the unconscious. Mm, yeah, that's, that's, good, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So, all right, and then, so back in space again, too. What do you think the moon is? So, I, you know, I mean, this stuff's just in our common uh, pop culture now all of this and the, even the questioning of it and um all the different theories that, you know it pings it's hollow it's a death star you know right. it's an eyeball it's a vagina i mean there's still so much out there about fuck it the moon. Let's fuck the moon. <laughs> but you know so it's it's obviously closer into us and um and then there's the whole the stuff around the moon landing and then this recent resurgence about um uh, uh what was that jerry that was just trying, made the round trying to figure out what you're talking about aldrin was it aldrin not aldrin oh, um, yeah yeah buzz aldrin two weeks yeah. ago or, oh yeah, yeah 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 the interview from 2015 yeah, I, mean, I mean on board with uh on board with weird moon stuff on board with weird antarctica stuff um as you know i think it's extremely <laughs> fascinating to me that the moon is just the right size for you know uh lunar and solar eclipses i mean that it, there's something something does feel sort of uh something feels artificial about it i will totally get, get behind that um i personally tend to shy away from panspermia even though it's becoming very much in vogue uh which i mean obviously if there, there's an artificial component to the system that we inhabit it implies something like uh implies something like panspermia but um you know my problem with the theory of that is that it's just goalposts moving because at some point it doesn't explain the big question of where life comes from it just just it just shifts the goalposts um and it doesn't work well with space shenanigans which again doesn't mean it doesn't didn't happen but i, I have <laughs> it does not work well with space shenanigans no, it doesn't <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I just, I think that the, of course, this is where my, my, my own skeptical side kicks in and says, well, um, you know, is it strange that the moon is perfect? Because if it wasn't perfect, would we be here to see if it was strange? Um, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I try to maintain a healthy skepticism about it, but at the same time, I mean, so I tend, I tend to lean more toward the... I, I tend to lean more toward the moon is the moon, but there is a divine aspect to its creation. Um, that, um, that uh, you know, indigenous creation myths 
are probably probably have more descriptive power than um, scientific explanations for this asteroid just so happening to hit the Earth at the, right, the exact right spot, take out the exact right size chunk. Um, you know, I... Uh, I heard someone say that that was done by... Um, I want to say the Anunnaki. <laughs> on purpose to wipe out the dinosaurs because they're getting wise to what was going on. But of course, the dinosaurs already made their way off planet, and that's where the reptilians come from, right? Right, right. Yeah, right. That if, they're, if they're real reptilians, they're just, you know, stowaways underground. Well, that leads us to yeah. inner world. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, as far as... as if, if the answer skews toward some sort of divine answer or some sort of animistic answer, I'm much more inclined to that, in general, as a rule of thumb, than I am toward something like uh, the Anunnaki. <laughs> engineering or panspermia that's just that's just my own typical that's just my own personal law i agree i agree but i would just say uh instead of divine i would say intelligently designed not necessarily by a quote-unquote god fair enough that's just me i'm to take a safer path there because for all we know it could be an ai some kind of ai right right or you know i mean you want to get if you want to get gnostic again divine implies <laughs> implies benevolent and that's not part of the gnostic model right well yeah the demiurge yeah mm-hmm. where do you so and you mentioned this just a, a, maybe three minutes ago or something you, antarctica which somehow always seems to get tied into all this what do you think is going on with all that um i st- I suspect that it could be. I I, I don't write off the uh, possibilities of a Lemuria or uh, an Atlantean sort of uh, ancient technology being rediscovered, or you know, some something like that that would rock the boat a great deal. Um, uh, you know, even though I'm pretty much anti ETH for the contact experience, I don't write off the fact that sometime in the past hundreds of thousands of years because that's what people like graham hancock are making very clear is that uh is that um it's um it's it's all uh our, our understanding of human history the time scale is way off so i i don't underestimate the fact that somehow sometime in the past hundreds of thousands of years of human development there hasn't been some sort of extraterrestrial visitation that may or may not have left something behind um in antarctica um as well so i i just because, again, just because of the way that I roll, I tend to think more ancient civilization than I do uh, totally. than I do uh, t- than I do extraterrestrial technology. But um, uh, that's just that's just again that's just sort of my own disposition. Um, I don't I I don't really buy um, the idea that it's an interest to the hollow earth or anything. Uh, I don't really know why. I guess. Um, Maybe I have some misplaced faith in science on that respect, but uh, that just never has really resonated with me. I guess, I guess there's just certain things that you just gravitate towards a little bit more. I, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and so, so where I'm going with this query is to get to this before, and this will be all I have actually. Um, is what do you think the nature? What do? What is? What is the soul and the spirit? What are what are they and what are their functions? 
Oh my. Um guys, you're you're kicking my butt. Um <laughs> <laughs> I've I've often been very um sympathetic toward uh I believe it uh, I believe it's the Hindu belief that uh that um for lack of a better term, you know, God wanted to experience itself. Uh, maybe that's not Hindu because that doesn't really map onto the Hindu cosmology, but this idea that the creating force wanted a way to experience itself um, and to experience the creation that it created. You, are you all familiar with this belief? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm quite sympathetic toward that. Um, again, I, 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 I tend these days to lean less toward um, less towards this idea that we're all individuals i just that, that doesn't seem to resonate with a lot of near-death experience uh literature and uh a lot of the psychedelic experience it, it doesn't really seem to resonate with those with those uh particular accounts that people have so i like i said i tend to resonate less towards that and if that's the case then you know there's got to be another reason just than the fact that we are all uh you know running around with our own discrete consciousnesses willy-nilly so I tend towards the idea that it's 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 the other, the benevolent other, hopefully, um, seeking to experience itself. Uh, With that, you know, which is also one of the reasons, which is also one of the reasons that I hate that you know, sophomore college, bong rip, atheistic argument that you know if there was a god, like why would he allow rape and murder of children, dude? It's like, well, you're assuming that there's a no value in suffering, and uh, you know, B, if if you have something in place like a, a reincarnation system, then it's really easy to to uh you know to explain that in terms of karmic balances and karmic debts being settled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it broadens it for you sure. Just, just tell your friend, hey, look at it, make believe you're a cell or you know, a red blood cell in the body of God. So how's he gonna That's know that you're suffering? That's a really good way to look at it too. Not that I think that. Totally there's a lot there's a lot of um there's a lot of talk out there about... Wait, 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 wait. I remember my question. Okay, go, Jerry. Go. <laughs> with, with that and out, with that sim the sympathetic leaning you have towards that idea, you, you know, you can, um, you can apply a lot of... You can see a lot of correlations between that and certain events, biblical events, like the, the fall, right? Because right. in that tradition of the, so the God wanted to experience itself, there was a split... Half did, half didn't, right? You've got the, the yin and the yang there, the, the shadow and the consciousness uh, aspects. I mean, you, could, you can almost, it's, this, it's as above, so below, is what I'm saying. With yeah, that yeah, whole sort idea. Of sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think, I like all this stuff. Part of me, I mean, with a lot, with a lot of these questions, just has to sit with the messiness of the mystery, as Terrence McKenna once said. Um, you know, and isn't that great? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely um, prefer that in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, I suspect that answers to a lot of these things that we talk about, including consciousness and the whole ET fairy thing, and even something as, you know, apparently mundane and face value as something like Bigfoot, um, I suspect that the answers might be weirder. Uh, again, this is another Terrence McKenna-ism. Uh, um, 
uh, weirder than we imagined, but weirder than we can imagine. Um, you know, I wonder if that's not if that's not the case. Yeah, and whatever we imagine, it probably will be something different anyway. It's not it's not worth yes. worrying about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of chatter about, and there always has been, but there and and then there's chatter that's built upon it. But the soul being transferable and um even i don't know who it was it says like the body weight you it, it actually has a weight which ties into you know some of the egyptian stuff and um where do you where do you how do you feel about that like is 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 there consciousness tied into the soul and i and when I'm asking that, I'm not, I'm not trying to ascribe your persona or even down to your ego, but consciousness at a deeper level of the facet that is you as connected to everything. I mean, I, I think that our data set is incomplete on trying to find a, a way into this. I mean, I, it, you would never pass any sort of ethical board, but it would be fascinating to, to, uh, be able to raise a child in the absence of language. I mean, I, I, I think that we underestimate how much language tends to really form our existence and our, and our egos and our reality. Um, Unless we I think it's one telepathic of those before. Right, right. Which is, you know, part of the reason that, you know, it would be, it would be interesting to, to see if that's, if that's our natural state. Um, yeah, I, I, I um, I, I, th so th is the question really um, over whether or not there's a tangibility uh, to to the soul, or yeah, like could you? Is it possible? And so we can use this in in I guess more comfortable um, terms like reincarnation, um, that you could your consciousness just transfers from vessel to vessel, so from body to body. Um, your soul so the soul is consciousness or is part of it because I, there seems to be a difference between soul and spirit right 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 chemical workings yeah. um soul be soul being more more uh earthbound not earthbound but more um darker and more a little bit more grounded than spirit right uh certainly i, I mean it Yes and no, possibly. I, you know, again, I don't know. I, I attribute the way I'm looking at it right now, and just like you said earlier, ask me next year, and it's probably going to be different. Hopefully, um, is I'm I'm knee deep in the psychological, not psychological, the um, philosophical idea of alchemy. I always have been, um, but so I'm still thinking two sides of the same coin so soul is possibly the the yin and the female and in spirit the male and and somehow they're a positive and negative within the same cell and um that find expressions that can get split and pushed you know how we project into the outer world but when we look at the woo woo which is where i want to go the deep woo on this there are some people out there saying um that it can actually be, be manipulated like you that there is technology and i don't 
know how else to say that. There's technology that can actually suck out your soul and put it in another vessel, just like you get out of your car and go into another car. Right. Um, so have either of you read um, uh, Patrick Harper's Demonic Reality? No. no, but I am familiar with it. Um, he, he spends a lot of time sort of looking at the, these soul-spirit implications um, for how, how they might be expressed through a, a host of uh, paranormal phenomena. Um, and it's getting about high time that I revisit that, especially after this conversation. Um, but that's something that you, you both might find really interesting because he does a really good job of delineating that and sort of uh, taking a look at um, taking a look at uh, how that all might be expressing itself in these sort of extra normal um, encounters. Um, yeah, I, I, so I, by, I guess by technology, I would ask, um, you know, under what understanding of technology? I mean, if you look at sort of magic, if, if we're talking about magical practice as a technology, then I would totally agree that that's, that's a possibility. I just have a problem believing, um, I, I have a problem believing that there is ever going to be some sort of scientific materialist grounded uh, solution for some, for any questions like consciousness or, or uh, soul or spirit. I just, the idea that there might be some, a machine that you hook yourself up to that operates under, you know, physicalist materialist paradigm stuff is is I, I find that really hard to to believe so if there's some sort of if there's some sort of technology that can operate outside the bounds of that and possibly bring in something that smells an awful lot like you know magical practice then yes but if there's something that uh if there's something that is um is like literally just like a uh a pair of electrodes that you hook up to one person and hook up to another person. I have a real problem thinking that that does exist and honestly would ever exist. There is a, um, I, I want to add this. I know I just said, let's ask think questions. about Montauk too. <laughs> With the, you know. Every time I think we're ready for questions, Josh says something that makes me want to add say, more. I totally agree with Josh. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> Okay, Unless so and, and so let's I want to pull it back into something I find more tangible. So the solo busca tarochi, are you familiar with it? Uh Peter Yes, I'm not a practitioner, but I'm familiar with it, yeah. So it's a it's a very fascinating deck and um uh there's a an amazing book so you know that Scarlet Imprint put out called The Game of Saturn. And what was being brought up in the book is that this is a deck for an elite set of people to essentially do this kind of soul transferring a la reincarnation through bloodlines so that kind of magical tech and not necessarily like you're in a in a lab and there's something over you sucking out some etheric energy that is a soul but a controlled method of bringing your soul that is attached to your ego and persona um, and and moving it into the next incarnation or the next body and 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 in that it doesn't necessarily have to be there doesn't have to be a death of the old body involved there there can be overlapping in this um 
so that there's consciousness, so there's no memory wipe. So it's just like you walked into another room, you're in another body. And and so it plays into the whole bloodline thing. And that the, whole, the Sola Busca deck is what Peter's suggesting that that might ultimately be its purpose. I don't know if I made that clear. Uh, no, I, I think I think that makes that makes some sense. I think that you have to be um, a little bit realistic about sort of the origins of, of tarot as much as much as people want to say that it's a direct lineage from ancient Egyptian or something and that it has some power. Um, well, he's not saying this is actually a tarochi. He's saying this is a set of magical sigils set up to do this so it's basically the blueprint for a spell much like the egyptians had to for the pharaoh right for the right. upper 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 crust to move from one to find immortality but through many vessels so there's no loss of actual identity right i heard i've heard a lot of people talk right. about this and who claim the idea is that the uh, the reason that they inbreed, if you will, is to keep the DNA pure because that connects them to this soul lineage link, and they can reincarnate into the same family because of that connection. On top of that, they like the tarot and whatever the tarochi and their other ritualistic aspects of their lives allow them to retain their memories. They don't get the memory wipe when they get incarnated. So they keep all the memories of everything when they come back, allows them to just pick up where they left off. But as kids, it's like a dream come yeah. true. And and so that's the disservice in looking at the solo busca as a, as a tarot deck, because it's, it's actually not. And um, that's, that's what Peter gets at in game of Saturn. It's, it's really not, it's a blueprint for this particular ritualistic process for the upper crust well i have to look into that then because it does sound i mean i i think that there's a, there's an old saying that um i you know is is bandied about that you know what is it uh millionaires don't believe in astrology billionaires do you know yes <laughs> um, absolutely so, i just heard someone so, say that today it's Gosh. old school what was that um so i mean the idea that there's not always a second layer of stuff, uh, you know, sort of uh, the, the idea that things around us might not serve double purposes um, is, uh, is always been interesting to me. And I think it's probably a reality. I mean, you know, it's this idea that we talked about before of sort of walking the line. Um, is the Pepsi logo just a logo? Yes. Um, could it also be a, um, a sigil? Sigil, yes. Like, why can't it be both? Or <laughs> yeah. maybe not. Or maybe neither. You know. Yes. There's right. A, there's a guy out there. His name's Mike Sentia. Mike Sentita. Mike Sentia. I forgot. I forgot his name. Mike Sentia. I think is his name. And he claims that logos do not have any quote-unquote software behind them. Say that again. <laughs> okay. So he looks at. He's a computer programmer who's also an energy worker, and. I think it was he was on THC once, and Greg asked him if if he, you know, or like you know how Freeman says that every logo is a sigil to you know enslave you, blah blah blah. And he asked uh, Greg asked this guy Mike if 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 that was true, and he said I don't see any software because he calls, you know, sigils just a deliver like a container, 
It's mm-hmm. the software inside or the energy or the intention, however you want to think of it. He thinks of it as software. So the software inside is what Greg was asking. So now they're not, they're just, you know, symbols, empty vessels. Got it. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of, um, what was it? Uh, uh, well, again, Gordon White, uh, somebody that, you know, is a smart fella. Um, may, was we love Gordon. Some, yeah, I did. I did too. Um, was talking with somebody about, uh, you know, how uh, you can you can put eggs and flour and sugar into a bowl, but that doesn't make it a cake, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you can have all the elements of something. Oh, that's that are, perfect. Yeah, you can have all the elements of something that, there are the elements of like a ritual are there, but it doesn't make it a ritual. The elements of a sigil are there, but it doesn't necessarily make it a sigil, you know? Um, you know, again, that's, that's the other thing is when, you know, I, I I do think that there is something about certain contours and certain shapes that are really settling to uh, or or soothing or pleasing rather uh, to the human eye and to the human intellect, to the human visual you know um, perception. And the idea that there might not be some overlap between something that looks sigilly and something that is a sigil, um, yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. I got two questions from the show listeners who well, I'll say hi, by the way. Hi. I think it was just two. Okay. So Grimstake, friend of the show from, you know, Grim. Hello, Grim. Hi, Grim. Has Josh ever played his tuba in a dream or had tuba disasters in your dreams? Oh, guys, guys. <laughs> Yay. My, my, my two recurring uh, dreams that I have. I can't believe I didn't remember this. I, I, I can't believe we didn't ask about recurring dreams. Um, my two recurring dreams that I have are the, the tooth crumbling dream, which is a really common thing. Um, but I, I have what I think is a variation on the tooth crumbling dream where I actually have my, my mouthpiece. You know, it's a solid chunk of metal covered in silver, silver plated. Um, or nickel, depending on how cheap the mouthpiece is. Or gold, depending on how expensive the mouthpiece is. Anyway... In the dream, the mouthpiece um, starts to crumple and uh, get really pliable, almost like uh, what I'm looking for. It's almost like uh, it has it starts to get have the consistency of like warm play-doh, and I'm having to constantly like reshape it, and it's I know it's going to be ruined forever, and it's it's just you know th- this is a recurring dream that I have where my mouthpiece basically disintegrates as I'm playing it. Um, and I think, I think motivically it kind of, the fact that it's recurring um, really makes me think that it, it might have something akin to the, to the tooth crumbling dream. It, it's interesting. I've had the tooth one and I put that, I had always thought that, that was because I grind my teeth. Mm, yeah. There was like the old school theory back in the day that, you know, the teeth are tied into your vanity. And so when you'd have, because it is a pretty universal dream. And, um, and so some of the old, I've been looking at dream symbols my whole life. So I like, I think my mom got me a dream book when I was like 10. And um, I remember reading in that and then subsequently seeing over the years, a lot of people talking about that same thing. They totally represent vanity. And when you're having issues in dreams about your decay, there's something going on with that. I now don't believe in universal stuff like that. I think it gets very individual, but 
Yeah. I mean, right. so with the tuba though, you, you were, I mean, obviously this is, you know, you associate yourself with playing that and then, you know, I mean, I could, I'm not, one thing we do here is try not to analyze dreams. So, but I can see that being significant without saying more. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it has a, it has a, it's a huge part of my identity, you know? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So, yeah, I think it, I think that in some ways speaks for itself. I think it's <laughs> probably uh, just a little, um, just a little, uh, a small, small leap to imagine what that could possibly mean. Yeah. But it's great. I love that that, that popped up though. And it, it really brought in the, the reoccurring thing, which is, you know, we're always looking for those. Yeah, Big I can't question, Grim. Yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't think about it until now because I've we've had this interview scheduled for so long, and I'm like, okay, it's about dreams. I got to start remembering, and like, I forgot <laughs> all my dreams. So anyway, we never We're ask anyone now. to have to remember anything. It just happens. I got, yeah. one, I got one more question from Darcy. Uh, did you have any? Did you have any lost time, years or hours? Hi, Darcy. Not to my knowledge. Um, yeah, you and Lord knows, and Lord knows, I've looked for that in the past couple of years. But uh, me too. No, I have not. Uh, knock on wood again. <laughs> had any um, <laughs> had any missing time? Uh, every every now and then, every now and then, I think there has been one time in the past couple of years where I've been, I've looked down and my watch has been completely off, and then I'm like, oh wait, because I have one of the, I have one of these um, watches that's self winding, so you know, it builds off of the momentum of your wrist and whatnot. So it, it's always inevitably like some day after I haven't worn it for a couple of days for whatever reason, it uh, <laughs> it's always a couple of hours off. I'm like, oh my god, no, wait, never mind. That's not that's not what's <laughs> that's not what's happening here. All right, well, that's that's all the questions we have, and we definitely want to thank you, Josh, for spending time with us. And if there's anything you would like to plug, feel free. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's been a, honestly, guys, this has been one of the best conversations I've had in, um, like maybe, maybe a year. <laughs> it's, it's been really engaging. It's been different and new and, um, re really exciting. Um, Likewise. This, I want to say, I want to say too, this is in my top, my very top of, do, we've been doing this over a year now and this is right up there. Totally. So thank you. Cause it's oh, been shucks. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Well, you guys, yeah. you guys, Definitely gave me some food for thought on um on the uh on just some of these bigger philosophical questions that I should I should de dedicate a lot more time to in my in my head. Um uh so uh uh I'm a relative regular on where did the road go? Not as regular as I'd like to be, but uh you know. You gotta beat up Ren. Was was that? Oh yeah, yeah. Get get, get Ren, beat him up. I know <laughs> where he's gonna Ren. be. I know where he's gonna be on <laughs> September eighth. So. There, there can be only one. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I'm, you can find me there. I keep an online presence that I'm, I need to get better about putting up blogs, but I just haven't been because, uh, I've been so busy with other things, but, um, but, uh, that's, uh, joshuacutchen.com. You can find out all about my joke, my, uh, my uh, jokes, my, um, <laughs> that's Freudian slip, all Dude. about my books, all about my books there. Um, uh, which are all available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. The latest one is Thieves in the Night, which people have been claiming to get strange dreams from. I don't know if there's anything to that, but we'll find out. Um, 
uh that's that's out now and it's uh hot off the presses so uh check it out if you're so inclined and uh that's that's about it for me there i also have an uh, uh author page at uh, on facebook um so uh that's, that. yeah that's also a place to get a lot of information all right well thanks again thank you everyone for listening uh be sure to tune in next week we have uh jason louv should be interesting and we promise not to get antagonistic with him so, <laughs> after the skeptical one all right which i'm not mocking i loved it no 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 not at all thank you everyone in the chat i, I don't see you but i appreciate that you're there yeah good night everyone josh stay on the line everyone Will else do. goodbye